0: Good afternoon, Eastern Washington and fellow patriots. This is Matt Shea, and welcome to Patriot Radio, broadcasting live from deep inside the heart of the future Liberty State, brought to you once again by On Fire Ministries and the legacy of Dr. Stan Monteith, bringing you the story behind the story. And the news behind the news, not about right or left, it's about right and wrong, about our hope not being in man, but in Jesus Christ, about not ending in prayer, but moving to action. And I want to mention something quickly Everything right now on social media, on podcasts, everything is part of what's called fifth generation warfare now. That's the battle of narratives and ideas, which is also for the battle, the heart and soul of America and free people for that matter around the world. It's important to share the program. And the reason is because a lot of people think everybody else knows about it, so they don't share it. They really don't know about it, and as studies have been done on these things, it has shown that actually there is a decrease over time of information sharing because of this presumption. So get out there, hit share on Podbean, on, on the social media networks that you use. Sawyer's doing a fantastic job cross-posting across every every conceivable social media site. So please hit share, like, and make sure your friends and family get to hear this stuff, because it answers a lot of questions. And I've, this year, I've, I've taken a, an approach to answering questions before people are asking them. So we're going to talk about those things today. We've got a great guest coming up, that's he's going to talk about the digital, uh, the digital war against humanity as the World Economic Forum meets in Davos, Switzerland. All right, Zechariah 2.5, but I declares the Lord will be a wall of fire to her on all sides, and I will be the glory in her midst. What a great promise that is from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And in this time, again, I was telling some folks last night about this. I want you to just stop for a second and imagine yourself in 1947, and that you're a pastor in Germany. After the war, two years, allies are just starting to try to help rebuild the country under the Marshall Plan, which is not even in its full fruition yet. There's carnage around you, buildings, cities completely destroyed. And you're a pastor who didn't say anything during the 1930s and 40s. Up until 1947, you were totally silent. Now, it's interesting to think about things like that because what it does for me, anyway, is what would I have said in 1933 that I wished I would have said in 1947? Think about that right now. What what would you wish you would have said to your friends, to your family, to your pastor? to whoever God's put in your sphere of influence, what would you wish you would have said? And whatever that is, say it now. Whatever that truth is that God's been burning in your heart, say it now. And so I'm going to be very blunt on some things about 2023. And again, we can't be doom scrolling on social media looking for all the bad stuff that's going on on we 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 have to know what's happening no question and you can go through my twitter feed real quick you find out a lot of what's happening i'm sure you've got other people you you also watch and that's great but don't get stuck on that get get focused stuck if you will on what god is doing and what he wants you to be doing in this time and so I'm going to talk briefly about that right now what do i wish i would have said here's what i wish i would have said if i was a pastor in 1947 germany what i would have said in 1933 and part of these things are very well articulated in in a new book by eric metaxas called the letter to the american church and So I'm going to mention a couple things that he talks about there and just kind of bring this together for all of you. So first of all, there was something called the Barman Declaration, and and essentially what this was was the declaration of the confessing church, the churches that believed that uh, the Nazis, the National Socialists, were evil uh, and that what they were doing was wrong in the persecution of the Jews. And 3,000 pastors signed this 3,000 other pastors came actively against it and on the side of the state. We saw this happen in the former Soviet Union, the Confessing Church, 1963. They broke from the state church. And by the way, just as a total side note, if you're out there condemning uh, Zelensky for closing Russian Orthodox churches and stopping that stuff— just want to give you a little bit of, of history there. Virtually all of the metropolans, metropolitans in the Russian Orthodox Church, as a matter of historic fact, were KGB agents. You can read about this in the book Disinformation by General Mihai Pachipa. You can uh, see it confirmed uh, in the Metroikan archives, the Venona transcripts. So, so, this idea that he's somehow being anti Freedom in this one regard. I just, I'm talking about this one area. It it misses what actually has happened with the Russian Orthodox Church in that area of the world. Now, the Russian Orthodox Church became effectively the state church. The confessing church in 1963 was meeting in the woods. And in fact, pictures uh, of this are still in existence. In fact, our family has one of those pictures. And if you talk to some of the older uh, Ukrainian Pastors and even Belarusian pastors as well, and Russian pastors, they will tell you they remember the names of those pastors who sold them out. Okay, because there were there are really three things here that we're talking about. So, getting back to the Barman Declaration, three thousand pastors signed it as the confessing church, saying what's happening is evil. We need to stand against it. Three thousand sided with the state, actively opposing. Them. Those weren't the real bad guys. The real bad guys were the neutral pastors, 12,000 who didn't do anything and said, essentially in their hearts, all oh, those hotheads deserved what they got. Should have just been quiet and gone with the flow. That's not what Jesus Christ said. Jesus Christ went against the flow. That's what we're called to be as Christians going against the flow and everything. Going with the flow of God and the flow of the Holy Spirit and with the flow of man. And so as As this kind of developed, these 12,000 neutral pastors really became the evil that they supposedly secretly opposed. Because you're either helping evil or you're actively opposing it. And this is what Dietrich Bonhoeffer really wanted to get across, especially to the American church today. There is no middle ground, and and I I bristle when I hear people say it. The only thing in the middle of the road are dead skunks, okay? And you don't want to be one of those because they really stink and they're dead, okay? We don't want to do that. We don't want to be in the middle of the road because also Satan owns the fence. So you don't sit on the fence. As Jesus Christ says, don't be lukewarm. Pick a side. And so... Germany had this same thing that happened in the former Soviet Union where you got one set of churches that were confessing, the other set of churches decided with the state, and then you had the others in the middle who stayed silent and effectively became enablers and empowerers of evil. That is where we are at today in America. We need to choose a side. And so if... I was in 1933. This is what I would be telling all of you today. There is no middle ground. What we are seeing coming out of Washington, D.C., is evil. It is immoral. It is anti-Christian. And it is intentional to try to destroy this country. Now, interestingly enough, and I'm going to get to this in a brief, Roger Stone came out with a couple things that were Fascinating to me because what they're trying to do, they tried back in the 1970s. Now, at that time, they were trying to collapse the United States on the 200th anniversary of the Declaration of Independence in 1976. They failed. And what's coming up here in 2026, the 250th anniversary, and they're trying to do this again. Now, their original plan was to begin in 2017, but something happened they did not expect, and that was the election of President Donald Trump, and that delayed them four years. And so now we're seeing this plan come back into fruition, collapsing the enemy energy sector like happened in the 1970s. We had lines for gasoline. You had rampant inflation. You had the United States and its stature internationally going down. You had the Russians surging. The Chinese began their surge. The jihadis began their surge. It's all happening again. They're trying it again. And so as the globalists meet in Davos, Switzerland. What I would tell you today, and I would have told you in 1933, is we need to be prepared as the church, the body of Christ, to help people who become victims of the state. We need to be ready as the body of Christ to help people who are targets of persecution in this country. We need to help people who are widows and orphans, who are being crushed by the rampant inflation and the intentional mismanagement of the economy and the attempt to socialize and, I would say, communize the economy in the United States of America and turn it from a free market into true communism where the government owns and controls everything. I would say to you that it's time for the church to be prepared with food, with water, with Bibles, and to be prepared spiritually that all of us may become home churches underground in this country. And that as a result, we might all end up being shepherds in some capacity or another. And to break off the religious notions that Only certain ordained people that have gone through classes for all these years are capable of baptizing somebody else when, in fact, the Bible says very clearly that all of us are called to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and to make disciples, baptizing people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit throughout the world. We are all called to heal the sick, deliver those who are oppressed. Preach the good news of the gospel of the kingdom. If right now somebody came to you and you couldn't go to a church, would you know how to baptize someone? Would you know how to pray over them? So Holy Spirit would come upon them. Would you know how to lead them in the prayer of repentance? And I ask people this all the time. How many people in the last year have you actually evangelized? How many people it's not condemnation. It's are we the church or are we not? Because I can tell, just like you can tell, what someone actually believes by their own actions. And if we actually believe that we are kings and priests in his kingdom, as it says in Revelation 1, then we need to start acting like that in this time of darkness and wickedness. Because in the time of darkness and wickedness, The world will see a great light. The world will see the greatest harvest in its history. And if we pay heed to this, we get the great honor of being a part of it. And that brings me now to your daily intelligence briefing on the international front. And uh, we're trying, by the way, to post as quickly as we possibly can the so We're trying to get them up the same day that they're there. As many of you have been asking about that, we're going to be really moving forward in that, making sure that we post the same day. But if you miss one and you don't see it on Podbean, you can always go to Facebook, YouTube, you can go to Rumble, whatever your favorite social media platform is. And generally speaking, there is a link to the show on there. Okay, Travis and, and Sawyer are doing a great job making that happen. All right. I want to just give you an overview of what I believe is happening right now. I believe they are setting up Joe Biden to be removed from office. And I talked about this a couple of years ago. I thought it was going to be sooner, but apparently they were able to wait until now. Um, I believe that's actually part of the discussion in the back rooms at Davos, Switzerland, at the World Economic Forum. It very clearly appears that they are setting him up for the 25th Amendment to be invoked and him removed from office. Now, this also happened, interestingly enough, under the Nixon administration in the 1970s. So this fits into that bigger picture I was just telling you about. So, in that time, they removed the vice president first, then they moved somebody in, and then they removed the president, and that person moved into the presidency. Who might that be in our day and age if it's not Kamala Harris that's supposed to take over? It might be Gavin Newsom. So, in the next few weeks, watch, because... It was Democrats who found these documents. It was Democrats who reported these documents. And it was Democrats that used these documents just like they do against conservatives through the same media outlets like the New York Times and the Washington Post. So that tells me this is an intentional thing that's happening Look also for criminal charges or some sort of criminal investigation to officially begin against Hunter Biden and the ties being made by the mainstream corporate legacy media, not necessarily conservatives, even though that's happening. I believe they think that the pretender is too incompetent to manage the war that is coming. And so they have to remove him first. So watch, again, the next few weeks. Watch what Gavin Newsom's saying in California. Watch what's happening in the White House. Watch who they're bringing forward more that all of a sudden from the Democrat side is all of a sudden in the media a lot more. Watch these things as an indicator because it really appears they are setting this up right now. These classified documents that were found, people say, you know, he should resign. Yes, he should. There's no question about it. The vice president does not have the power to declassify. The president does. That's why the Trump and Biden situations are totally different. Uh, And also just on top of that, Trump's was in a secure place. Biden's was not. I mean, even by any stretch, in a box next to your Corvette in your garage just doesn't work for security. Okay. And in addition to that, it was very clear that Trump was trying to work on the issue with the appropriate authorities. This was just found. So, all right. That said, what are some other indicators that something is about to happen? I'm going to talk to you about that right now. We're going to go to Twitter right now. Travis is going to be pulling up. Um, uh, one of the first tweets is open source intelligence and Knightsbridge. Um, both have this on there and they're, I mean, obviously connected, but, um, back in the 1960s, Mao's great leap forward resulted in the killing of tens of millions of people. Communism is evil. It was born of evil. Karl Marx expressly wrote in his poetry that he was basing all of these things on evil. And during that time, communism, because it, it, they they couldn't force these people to agree, so they just killed them all. Lenin actually said this. This is the repository of truth, the repository of freedom is in the heart. And so Lenin believed you had to go kill people because you would kill the heart. Now, in the 1960s, you had tens of millions of people dying under Mao's tongue slaughter. And again, you see, you've heard me say this on the show many times, you see people hanging, a Republican, supposedly, hanging a picture of Mao or or, or Being with Chinese communists, you really support that? I digress. So in the 1960s, this is happening. Tens of millions of people being killed under Mao's Great Leap Forward. And as a result of that, China started to agitate around them. War in India later. There's just stuff that started to happen because their people were becoming uncontrollable. Well, I want to tell you something. This last few months, China is facing what they believe is a threat to their power. And just like General Chihuatian said, and I know I'm mispronouncing it, so please don't send me an email correcting it. He wrote a, a speech, and we got a, a copy of this speech, where he clearly said if the communist Chinese feel that their power is threatened, they're going to go to war to preserve it. So this this one I'm about to tell you just kind of tips me that they're going to go to war to preserve it. And that is this. They've had widespread protests over COVID. You had the, the people in Hong Kong standing up to the communist Chinese. You had the people in Taiwan standing up to the communist Chinese. And so it just shows that they feel their power is being challenged, that they should go to war sooner rather than later. Well, in addition to this, China's population declined for the first time since that great slaughter of tens of millions of people in the 1960s. It declined by almost a million people. And China's got a demographic problem. They've got a whole bunch of firstborn males in China that are very narcissistic because they were also the only child. And they also have a problem with those people being effeminate. And so the Chinese military actually started on a program of manning up their forces, and I've told you this on the show before, but back in the first clash with India, now this is months and months ago, this isn't the recent one, there was a video of Chinese soldiers going back in their bus after they'd been defeated, and they were crying. So the Chinese military came out shortly thereafter and said, we got to man up our military. So the Chinese know they've got a demographic problem. Their population's in decline. They've got a whole bunch of firstborn narcissistic males uh, that are also effeminate. So they've got to do something, and one of the answers to that, classically and historically, has been war. So just from a demographic standpoint, they have a reason to go to war. Then you also have, after the United States sent a, a carrier strike group into the region, you have the PLA holding fi- uh, live fire drills right on the heels of that. And and you can see them ramping it up. In addition to this, the Chinese understand that economically, they're also headed down. They've had a massive hit in their real estate sector, a downturn in that, and they're trying to cover up as fast as they can, but you have some cascading default already happening. You have also the fact that they're, they're running short on food. And they've been trying to stock up on food. You have them also stockpiling gold, which is exactly what Russia did right before Russia invaded because they knew that Western sanctions would hit them and they needed a hedge against it. You have Japan, the Philippines, South Korea now all arming up and now the United States getting a clue and beginning that trajectory of arming up. So, so it's not going to get easier for China to wait into the future to invade. In addition to that, you've got what's happening in Russia right now. The Chinese will not miss this opportunity to try to take advantage of a Russian winter offensive. So it's probably going to happen right around the same time in the next two, three months. Belarus looks like they're getting ready to enter the war. Again, uh, Knightsbridge analysis, the Belarusians... And the Russians are holding drills now, and they're specifically focused on logistics and supply trains, which was the problem they had when they invaded from the north, from Belarus into uh, Ukraine. They couldn't sustain the logistics networks. Now, look, Russia has been very notorious. You've heard me say it many times on the show. I've I've given the primary sources for this. I analyzed it myself in the military. Um, Their logistics trains are very poor. Well, they're, they're specifically drilling on this, and they're drilling right next to the Ukrainian border. So this is much closer than normal. So I'm not saying that war necessarily is imminent like in the next few days, but what I'm saying is it looks like more and more there's going to be a winter offensive. And if there's a winner offensive, Belarus joins Russia and invades Ukraine, you're going to have China try to take advantage of the same time frame. In addition to this, Iran keeps arming Russia, That is driving a wedge between Russia and Israel right now. And Israel looks like it's going to strike sometime in the Middle East. What does all of this mean to us? Very likely, the price of oil is going to go up as instability happens in the world. But also, supply chains, especially if China invades Taiwan, are going to be severely disrupted. It's not going to be catastrophic, but severely disrupted. So it it just means you've got to look forward. What has... A chip in it that could be hard to get in the future and you should probably buy something now if you haven't stocked up on food don't have a year's worth of food you need to do that if you're not using uh encrypted text messaging you should start doing that and you've heard me talk about this on the show before but it's now coming to a place where the the time frame is shrinking and we all spiritually need to be ready to minister to people in crisis as well. And I believe we all need to be looking forward to a, a time and preparing for a time when we have small alternative economies in our communities and even, even to the extent of our own families and our church families in thinking along that line right now instead of waiting for the future. Last thing I want to bring up to you, coming up here this Thursday, 10 o'clock, it starts the Holy Spirit Comforter Conference with Dr. Emanuel Ziga at the Spokane Convention Center. Uh, First is the breakfast in the morning, then it's going to start at Thursday evening. It's going to go Friday evening as well, and then Saturday morning, um, and I believe we have something Friday morning as well. Travis is posting that up there right now, and just make sure you go register. It's a fantastic conference, helps Uh, A lot of people just focus on what the Lord has for them in life and to start moving in that direction instead of just talking about it. So again, the Holy Spirit Comforter Conference coming up here the 19th through the 21st, again, starting Thursday morning at 10 a.m. for the breakfast. Look forward to seeing you all there. We also have the Circuit Riders coming to Spokane, Washington. The venue is to be announced here, but I just want to prep you for it's coming up the 17th and 18th of February going to be here in Spokane, Washington. If you've never heard of the Circuit Riders, they're associated with YWAM, Youth with a Mission. And they are very much about revival, worship, and claiming these cities and communities for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All right. Thank you so much, everybody, for for posting and for sharing. But if you have missed it and you don't know where to go, several things. Number one, you can go to Gab, you can go to MeWe, go to virtually every social media site, like, share it. You can also find us on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, and Amazon, and support those who are helping to support us in a, in a way. News, particularly, Epoch Times, one of the best sources, I ireadepoch.com, and you can use promo code, Patriot Radio, and support two great causes. Also, Dr. Jason Dean, who we're going to have back on the show here coming up. Brave T, uh, it's Brave TV store. Brave TV store slash Patriot Radio. Brave TV store slash Patriot Radio. And again, some great uh, health uh, and nutrition things there. I love that because we need to take care of every aspect of humanity, from our finances and relationships to our body, to our mind, our emotions, our will, and our identity in Christ. So Dr. Jason Dean does a great job on the body part. Go check that out. Again, bravetv.store slash Radio. All right, it's my great honor to introduce, we had him on a long time ago, but I'm glad to have him back on again. Brandon Smith, alt slash market.us. He's a 15-year veteran of the Liberty Movement and the founder of the Alternative Market Project He promotes organized resistance, volunteerism, and decentralization in order to combat the globalist erosion of our freedom. Let's speak in my language right there. Brandon, it's great to have you on. How are you doing, my friend?
1: Hey, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me back.
0: Yeah. Well, Brandon, I I just want to kind of dive in here. Uh, Just get your take real quick on kind of what you think is happening at a macro level in the world, what people should be expecting the next six months or a year.
1: Well, probably, I, I would say uh, an economic downturn, major economic downturn by uh, April. Uh, the Federal Reserve is raising interest rates up to 5 to 6%, and that's about where we were at back in uh, 2008, right before the uh, initial credit crash. So I would expect that to happen again here very soon.
0: So, well, I am, I'm looking at, at uh, you know, it, it, they're, they're being pretty open about it that they want to create a recession. Now, they're not saying that exactly, but they're being pretty open that they're going to keep raising interest rates until it has that kind of a negative effect on the economy. Um, and, and naturally, that kind of brings up the World Economic Forum and all these things. What do you think they're plotting there right now that's going to hit us? that maybe people haven't heard about? I mean, I think everybody's kind of seeing the inflation and recession stuff. What do you think's coming that people haven't heard about?
1: Well, a lot of people probably haven't thought about the uh, probability of a uh, cyber attack, uh, a large-scale cyber attack possibly targeting the Internet itself. Uh, a, lot, a huge part of our uh, economy is based on the functions of the the internet, and it's very easy for someone to take down uh, certain aspects of the internet in order so it doesn't function uh, properly, and that a lot of our commerce would would die out or be uh, bottlenecked.
0: So, with that... And, and I, I think, too, that you know, the, the cyber attack part of it, a lot of people have kind of taken this for granted that cyber attacks in the past haven't really impacted a ton of the economy. But you, you, you said something interesting that would affect the whole internet. So kind of paint a picture right now. What if the internet went down? What, what would people see happen that would impact their daily lives just kind of practically?
1: Most uh, trade and commerce would be stifled or slowed down you would see supply chain issues you would see a a lot of finance uh, stock trading things like that breakdown you wouldn't necessarily have a grid down event but uh, in the process of the economy uh, going into speedy decline the uh, grid would be sort of a secondary issue, uh, you know, when people don't have money. Right. <laughs> so, um, I think that I think that uh, one of the biggest issues in terms of the internet is that uh, a, a lot of people use it as a main avenue of of uh, communication, and this is something. That has become very pervasive. And I, I hope that uh, people realize that, you know, how dependent we are and they try to look for all, all, alternatives. Because uh, if it goes down, then what we're facing here is not just a economic collapse, but a, a probably a, a government control of communications in general. So people need to look for alternatives.
0: So, you know, we have this kind of in the future, and I, I agree with you uh, very much on the cyber attack part of it. Um, right before COVID happened, I had a business owner contact me. He said, hey, they're removing stuff from my insurance policy that kind of gives me an inkling there might be a pandemic. Well, the same guy contacted me here uh, a few months ago. He said, hey, they're they're removing again the cyber attack provisions of our business insurance policies. I wonder if something's coming. And so I think that that, it's clear something is in the offing. But at the same time, though, I mean, even at Davos, you have on the one hand, Klaus Schwab saying uh, in this creep, by the way, super creepy video, uh, saying that there is going to be a cyber attack. You also have them talking about central bank digital currencies and this control through digitization of every aspect of our lives. So on one hand it's like, yeah, there's going to be a cyber attack. Maybe that's what they use as the excuse for the other. I mean, that's kind of how it's seeming to me. What's your take on that? And and tell people a little bit about what is coming in that realm in regards to using um, the digital world to control our lives.
1: The biggest problem would be moving towards a cashless society because then you have no uh, avenue other than CBDCs in order to trade and to survive in the economy, uh, at least not uh, anonymously. And if if you remove anonymity from the economy, then the government control most of what you do, and that's, I think, the main purpose of CBDCs. Uh, CBDCs would allow them to monitor and track every transaction, and uh, anything anonymous would sort of disappear. Beyond that, they would have the ability to, uh, I guess, shut off your accounts at a, on, a, on a whim and uh, remove your ability to trade at all.
0: And if that happens, then I would expect that there would be alternative economies springing up, which you've been talking about for years. And I want you to talk about it now. Alternative economies springing up at kind of the local level, even the familial level, maybe in the broader sense of that term, um, churches or maybe uh, organizations people belong to, civic organizations kind of banding together during that time because the question is going to become, how are people going to survive unless that happens?
1: Right. So... Uh, this is something I've actually. This is what I started uh, Alt Market. I based Alt Market on when I started it um, back in 2010, 2011, and the. Uh, I think the, the concept of barter markets might seem sort of strange to people as a, a method for fighting against this, but if you really think about it, if you if you localize trade, if you um, remove yourself from that digital control grid and a lot of people do it on the local level, Uh, they sort of insulate themselves from not just the control but also economic decline because what you do is you start to produce your own necessities, your own goods at the local level. You're trading with each other, and so you've created your own little separate economy away from the the mainstream, we'll call it the grid economy. And the uh, the if If enough communities do that, and you they start to network and then they start trading back and forth with each other, uh, not just within their communities but with other communities, then you slowly start to build a par- what some people call a parallel Economy, I I call it the alternative economy. And if we're able to do that, then uh, that gives us a lot of power in terms of what happens in the future. If we're dependent on the mainstream economy when uh, everything crashes or when they introduce introduce CBDCs, then uh, it's very hard for us to fight back against any kind of uh, authoritarian measures that uh, these people want to introduce. So we have to separate ourselves and we have to be as independent as possible economically. Otherwise, we're not going to be able to fight back in, in any other way.
0: I think I think one of the things that you point out in your recent article about this whole idea is, is I don't know if enough people grasp the idea how evil the globalists really are and that they actually hate humanity. They don't. It's not like they're trying to make stuff better and less war. They actually hate other people. And there is a there is a level there that I think it's really hard for the, 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 the average folks to grasp it. So I want you to talk a little bit about that, and then we want to move into what should people be doing right now at the local level to, to, to really hedge against this stuff coming.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, I have a theory about uh, globalism and the globalist groups in particular. And my, my theory is this, my theory is that uh, they are actually uh, organized groups of psychopaths, that they are psychopathic people who seek out other psychopathic people and, and organize them around a certain set of, uh, I guess, cult-like beliefs. and, <clears throat> If you really want to get into how evil these people are and how psychopathic they are, I would suggest looking into the World Economic Forum and their concepts of the digitization of humanity. Uh, Just go ahead and Google that, digitization of humanity, and you'll come up with a lot of videos, including some by a guy named uh, Yuval Yuval Harari, uh, who talks a lot about the uh, use of AI and algorithms and technology to change, to hack the human body. This is what he, he calls it, hacking the human body and changing human beings into something completely different. He, he believes that in a 100 years, uh, human beings um, will not exist or that uh, the elites will, be, will have moved beyond uh, their their. Own supposed humanity, and that the rest of us will sort of be like lower being beings. Lower uh, will be like monkeys compared to them. That's that's sort of his wording, and uh, the digitization of humanity concept, I think, sort of showcases that the um, uh, certain level of delusion among the elites because they really do believe that they're going to become these little little gods someday. Yeah. And also it showcases their, uh, I I think, sort of a frothing desire for control. It's something that they, it's their fantasy, it's their dream. The the ability to hack uh, the human body and the human mind uh, with technology in order to control control. In order, not just to make themselves ascendant or become some kind of gods, but also to control the rest of us, to be able to uh, read our behaviors, read our minds, and predict the things we're going to do before we even know we're going to do them. This is this is delusional. There's a lot of things about this that that uh, I think they exaggerate, and also AI in itself, I think they sort of exaggerate what AI is and what it can do, but it shows what they dream or what they wish they could do. And uh, so look up that, look up digitization of humanity, and I think you'll get a pretty good example of how evil these people really are.
0: We've had a couple of uh, Yuval Harari's videos on the show before, just so people could see it with their own eyes. I mean, it's just absolutely, you hear him talking, he is not, like there's no body language that is like he's not thinking what he's saying is real. I mean, he is he is 100% sold out. He believes this. He wants to see it happen. And it really reveals, like you said, it reveals the character of these people. Uh, I, I want to get into what folks can do at the local level. I like to talk action a lot instead of talking about the problem. You know, what can people do at the local level to hedge against this stuff? I mean, we've you know, we've seen just just during COVID, you started to see alternative markets form because people didn't want to go to the grocery store or whatever, so they were going to their their friends for eggs and, and those things. And I saw, by the way, I saw a hilarious meme the other day that said, Back in my day, we had so much toilet paper and eggs, we used them against our enemies. I thought that was hilarious. And I know there's there's people today that are saying this just isn't right, you know, bare store shelves and everything. What can I do to hedge against this? So if you could kind of walk through the steps and what people should be thinking about, how they should be approaching this time right now to get ready for what's coming here in this next year.
1: The first, uh, I guess the first thing that... People need to, well, you know, I'll say this first that COVID and the, the lockdowns and the mandates, I think, were a huge wake up call for a lot of people. And I have seen a, a, a very um, noticeable burst in activity on the prepping front. Uh, after you know during and after that that incident so i it, in a way it's funny because you know i mean in my opinion according to the evidence i think that covid was possibly deliberately released or it was definitely yeah. exploited yeah. and the the elites knew ahead of time exactly what they were going to do yep. uh in terms of uh implementing those controls so um but they made a very big mistake, I think, because well, number one, it wasn't nearly as deadly as they had had uh, told people. Uh, number two, uh, they just woke up millions of people to the concept of prepping and preparedness. So, so uh, that's um, that's an interesting sort of side effect of what happened. And uh, you know, in order for people to prepare, I, I think you know, first you have to. Uh, look at yourself and your, your personal situation, your living situation, and ask yourself, what can I provide for myself if the system were to go down tomorrow? And uh, if your answer is not much, then you need to get to work. Uh, you need to take action and uh, learn how to, I would say, first try to learn how to produce one thing, one necessity. So that could be food. Uh, that could be, you, you know, can you fix something that's uh, necessary to people? Can you teach a necessary skill? So that's, that's the first step. Um, the next step would be to make your situation as, I, I guess, as sustainable as possible. So do you have a steady supply of fresh water? Uh, do you have enough food stored? Do you have uh, a garden? Do you have any kind of uh, animals, you know, uh, chickens, um, sheep, things like that? Are you able to produce? Um, then look at your, you know, power situation. Can you set up alternative power? All of those things. Um, once you're situated in that r- regard and you, you have yourself squared away enough to get through, um, you know, at minimum a year, Uh, start with that, start with a year, get to that point, make that your goal. Can I sustain myself for a year if the system were to go down tomorrow? Uh, The next step would be to, and this is the one where most, I think, conservatives, libertarians, liberty-minded people, I think this is where most of them uh, screw up. Go out and find one or two other people of like mind and start organizing. That is the biggest thing that a lot of people out there are not doing right now because it's hard. It's easy to go out and just buy stuff. It's easy to go out and prep. It's easy to set up some solar panels, that sort of thing. That's the easy part. The hard part is going out and organizing and getting, making sure that other square pe- squared away people are uh, working together because – once all of this goes down, if you're isolated and alone, uh, all of that prepping you just did, you're you're just basically the the local grocery store now for any any uh, group of criminals that comes along, and you know no matter how prepared you think you are in defense wise. Eventually, there will be people who will take your stuff from you. So uh, you can't be isolated and alone. You need to be working with other people. Uh, forget all that gray man crap. That's, that's not practical for the kind of collapse scenario that, that we're talking about. So, uh, you know, go out and organize. And they can do that by first talking, talking to family members, um, uh, you know, go to church, uh, find people at church. Uh, you know, if you if you think that there are people at your church that might be of like mind, talk to neighbors who might be of like mind, and try, start with one or two people and then go from there.
0: So, what does a barter network look like? I mean, what is you know because people are immediately and it's interesting because around the world Christians all the time are just making it happen and they're not being bogged down by uh, bureaucrats. So. It, it, there's there's people that will immediately say, well, what does a barter network look like? Is that legal? It, would they let that happen? How do you think that they would react to that? You know, like those kind of questions, how do you deal with those?
1: They would call it a black market. They wouldn't call it a barter market. Uh, you know, the government uh, would seek to either block it or tax it. Uh, they would try to they would try to stop it. The problem is that never works. I mean, if you saw the how unsuccessful the the drug war was um, you know that's that's uh, that's just a uh, uh, recreational uh, substances um, the it's, try stopping people from trading food and things they actually need it's just not it's not going to happen uh, it's, it would be impossible uh, it's also impossible to track. So if you're relatively discreet, then uh, and you're trading with people who are of like mind, then it would also be hard for them to ever find out that that's something that's going on. Uh, also, you know, I think everyone has um, a vested, or almost everyone has a vested interest in keeping a localized economy going. Uh, no one wants to suffer. No one wants to starve. Uh, no one wants... To most people don't want the government in their business controlling, uh, you know, micromanaging their lives. So you might have people in your local area every once in a while who, uh, w- might try to inform on you or tattle, <laughs> tattle on you. Right. But, uh, I think for the most part, uh, the majority of people have a vested interest in keeping that kind of black market or barter market alive. Uh, you know, it makes their life easier. And that's kind of the key, I think, to any sort of, um, you know, active rebellion is, is that action making people's lives better uh, do they know, do they, do they get the feeling that it, it's better to have that act of rebellion around than to get rid of it? Uh, if that's the case, then they're going to help you. You know, most people are going to help you.
0: So what are some ways that people can kind of hedge against this economic downturn coming up? Uh, you know, inflation, these types of things. And also, you know, it was a little bit less talked about, but the devaluation of assets as well. So kind of a stagflation scenario.
1: I guess most people would say gold and silver, and, and for now, gold and silver, are they're holding strong. They're not really uh, reacting to inflation. Uh, they're not taking off yet, and I think that that's because the, the dollars' World Reserve status is still in play. So... Uh, when the dollar's world reserve status uh, goes down and you see the dollar heavily devalued, that's when uh, gold and silver will skyrocket. Um, also, we've seen some jumps in gold in particular just because uh, a lot of foreign central banks, including China, have been buying uh, hundreds of tons of gold yeah. in the past uh, year, uh, just, a, just this year alone. So they're, they're getting ready for something. Obviously, they know something's about to happen, uh, and we should probably uh, follow their lead on that and have our own, uh, you know, precious metals, our own hedge. Um, beyond, beyond that, beyond, uh, you know, basic investment, uh, there's, of course, there's always, uh, you know, food and preps and all those things. If you, if you invested in uh, food preps two years ago, then uh you're sitting pretty right now because food prices have doubled on on most things if not tripled i mean the, the price of eggs in most places is ridiculous so uh you know just that i uh, the price on on ground beef i was looking at the price on ground beef the other day and i I'm, I'm pretty sure that that the price has doubled almost in, yep. just in the past 3 or 4 months so <clears throat> uh you know, that's a that's a massive investment. And even now, I would say if you haven't uh stocked food yet, uh I would I would try to do it now because there are some things you can still get at a, you know, a moderate price and. I would not expect the prices to go down anytime soon. I I would expect them to keep going up. If not due to dollar devaluation and inflation, then through supply chain collapse, Uh, that's the other big one that's going to cause prices to rise.
0: So where can people go to get more information and and learn more about what you've been talking about for, well, now over a decade? So uh, I want to make sure that they're connected to get your newsletter as well.
1: Sure, yeah. They can uh, visit my website, which is alt-market.us. That's alt-market.us. Uh, I also have a newsletter called The Wild Bunch Dispatch, and that deals more with the, uh, I guess, the more uh, illicit side of preparedness um you know, what would happen, worst case scenario, what would happen if you had to fight a war? That's what that's, uh, that newsletter is more about. And uh, I'm also on uh, Getter and, uh, under Alt Market one, and I'm also on Twitter under Alt Market One.
0: So final thoughts here in the last looks like we got about a minute left.
1: Uh, again, the most important thing, that liberty-minded people can do right now, uh, I believe, is organize. They need to organize locally. They need to talk to family, friends, neighbors, people at church, uh, whoever you can find that is of similar mind. You need to organize and plan ahead for what's about to happen. Again, I think we're going to see an acceleration in terms of the uh, economic decline uh, probably in April, so uh, that gives you, you know, not much time left to uh, start talking to people and getting things squared away. The worst thing to, that you could do is try to organize after, uh, you know, a collapse or after chaos hits. You want to make sure and organize with people
0: beforehand. Yeah, absolutely, a hundred percent. Brandon, thank you so much for joining me on Patriot Radio today. God bless you. Keep up the fight. Hey, thanks. All right. Brandon Smith, alt marketus alt-market.us. alt-market.us. Uh, check it out. He's been talking about the alternative market l- literally ever since I have known him and about what would happen in these kind of scenarios. And and what's interesting is that his theories and, and the and the things that he's been observing have actually been happening in other places in the world that have suffered collapse or civil unrest or inflation like Argentina. Um, and you can watch exactly what he's talking about happening. So don't sit and wait. Don't, like he said, organize after. Start now. Start in your church. Start in your family. And make sure that you're not saying, eh, I don't know if that might, eh, I don't think that'll happen. Make sure you're checking your own normalcy bias. And and the idea behind normalcy bias is that things will continue the way they always have. Check against your own normalcy bias and get prepared today. Physically, mentally, spiritually, start organizing. And and if for no other reason, I mean, as Christians, we want to organize because we want to evangelize. We want to organize with people around us. We want to engage with people around us because we want to evangelize. Make sure that they're saved. Make sure that their eternal security is settled. This is how Christians have survived literally for 2,000 years in everything from the massive Roman persecutions to the Black Plague, the persecutions in communist China. And this is how Christians will continue to survive because God has tipped us off ahead of time. He's put people in our lives like through Patriot Radio To say now is the time to be ready. Now is the time to look at what God is doing so we're not reacting to what the enemy is doing. This is Matt Shea. Thank you so much for joining me on Patriot Radio today. May God bless all of you. And he is making this generation the greatest one. Keep up the fight.